You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Wednesday, and in these episodes, Sangram and myself, James Carberry, focus on personal development. We'll share books and other resources that are helping us get a little bit better every single day. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's case study session for successful account-based strategies for sales and marketing, and more importantly, why they delivered results so that you can replicate them. So for today's session, we're going to have two hosts, and we'll introduce ourselves. I'm Celeste Lunsford. I have the pleasure of being Chief Research Officer at Emissary. Emissary is a human intelligence network comprised of thousands of senior executives, And the reason that we're so passionate about account-based is what we do is we connect marketing and sales professionals, such as those of you participating today, with former executives in your target account. And they can provide account intelligence, they can provide insights into contacts, things that you just can't find elsewhere. And that helps you design and execute your account-based strategies. And with me, I have my friend Sejal. From Elastic. So, Sajal, tell us a little bit about yourself and Elastic and why you're passionate about account based. Sure. Thanks very much, Celeste. So, my name is Sajal and I'm responsible for field marketing at Elastic. Elastic is a search company. We offer three specific solutions for enterprise search, for observability, and for security. And they're all built on the Elastic stack, the heart of which is the open source technology Elastic Search. Elastic is actually literally everywhere. And you're actually using this without probably even realizing. When you hail a ride home with Uber, it's Elastic that pairs you with a nearby driver. Or when you're searching for groceries on Instacart, it's Elastic that provides you with the relevant results and recommendations. Or when you swift, swift, oh, swipe left or right with uh, Tinder, it's Elastic that matches you with the people you might like or who might like you back. Our business model is actually a healthy balance between open source and commercial code. The open software stack allows you to actually build on top of that support and services, and it's up to us to deliver our users enough value and therefore reason across all of our offerings to invest in us commercially. As a result, what we do is we engineer our products that are easy to use, they're reliable, they power our users. This way that the code evolves, the adoption is organic, and what we then see is developers start to try our product for different experiences and use cases. What happens is it quickly transforms to a proof of concept and often into large-scale deployment for mission-critical systems. This is when we get onto the executive radar and where decision-makers actually start to take notice of who Elastic is and whether or not they want to formally invest in us. This is why, for us, ABM starts to become more and more important. The business value for us is the common denominator. Whilst open source causes the initial adoption, it's the value that drives that investment And we continue to see this spin-off in many different multiple use cases. So that's interesting. So starting out open source and then really focusing in on account. One thing to drill a little bit is when I talk to people, there's so many terms in the marketplace. So you hear some people call account-based marketing and some will say, no, 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 that's account-based sales. And others will say, well, actually, it's both those things together are Mm account-based. So when you talk about account-based marketing, what does that mean at Elastic? So actually, that's a great question. So um, account-based marketing for us is a motion or 
for which both sales and marketing are actively building the strategy. This is one of the reasons why we chose to actually work with Emissary as well. At Elastic, what we're doing is we're utilizing the intelligence from the Emissary system for both our teams. Sales are using it, for example, for understanding from top of the funnel demand generation perspective um, and understanding how sellers can actually get industry-specific intelligence or how do they identify new opportunities or gain introductions to senior executives. Whereas from a marketing perspective, we're actually using it for research and deep diving to intelligence. We're looking at behavior and preferences and how we can build this into our marketing strategy as well. For example, which media channels do we use? How do executives prefer to be you know, communicated with? Do they consume information and data in different ways? Do we build an infographic or do we build a video message or do we write out a white paper? We actually develop all these different strategies based upon the intelligence that the industry network is giving to. There's two things that, that strike me when I look at this visual. And the one that you mentioned is I love that sales and marketing are, are equals and sitting next to each other, right? Because it really is a, a partnership. And I think, mm-hmm. especially if you are in the early phases of your EBM program, it feels a little bit more like a handoff. The second thing that I see more and more common in ABM programs is this idea of intelligence. And so to put that in context, if you look at some of the stats on the left, you know, for years, B2B buyers have, you know, they're just beginning harder to access, right? And we've seen this really come to a head this year. I think people, you know, you know, you lost events, right? So everybody moved to email outreach. People are at home, you know, they're bombarded with it. And it's just they're intolerant of generic messaging. And so, you know, you see these surveys now and IT buyers will tell you, I'm just, I'm over it, right? I don't, I don't like outreach. The messages don't make sense. You know, when you connect with me on LinkedIn, I find it obnoxious. So more organizations are moving to some sort of account-based proposition with the idea of, well, let's cut through all that clutter because we'll make it really personalized. But the challenge is, well, how do you do that personalization, right? So you can invest time in it and it still kind of feels generic. And how do I do that? It's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to do it for my top five accounts, right? Or my top 10 accounts. But how do I do that for tens of accounts or or hundreds of accounts? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a couple of years ago, probably even, you know, more recently than we should have, we would have told salespeople, well, you guys got to go do your homework, right? Don't just be blasting people with all this messaging and outreach. Go do your homework. And I was reading um, in the most recent Salesforce.com, the the state of sales uh, survey that they do annually. Less than a third of a seller's time is actually spent selling these days. And they're spending so much time navigating CRM systems and doing forecasting that it's not practical to tell a seller, hey, just go do your homework. And so we've seen particularly this year, this idea of doubling down on intelligence. And historically, organizations were pretty good about the third party stuff. So we'll give our sellers access to contact data, right? We'll help you download an orb chart, or we might even have a a team who scrapes stuff out of 10Ks or other filings and gives you some highlights. I see organizations getting a lot better at the first party stuff. So learning that, hey, there's data resident in my CRM, but there's also data in my customer success system, or maybe marketing, collecting customer SAT data that's useful, marketing automation. And then where I see people, the sort of the new piece of it is this idea of second party data where I'm working with an organization who's going out to buyers directly and collecting it on my behalf. So that's things like like what we do at Emissary and all the insights that we house, B2B buyer intent, things like that. 
And so it's providing salespeople a head start to say, yes, we really need to personalize this. It really needs to be customized for lots and lots of accounts, not just your biggest one. So we talked at the beginning about four strategies. Let's uh, jump into them. Sure. So actually, that's a great point. Um, qualitative research is what our sellers are really looking for. One of the key areas when we're looking at white space planning here at Elastic is um, really thinking about what does that mean to us? Um, for us, it doesn't mean necessarily the accounts that have historically been our big spenders, but actually those accounts that have the biggest potential for our future investment, those that are likely to actually adopt our technology much broader and much wider than what we're expecting them to do so. In turn, what we're looking for is for these opportunities to lead to reduction in the acquisition costs, the preservation of those priority relationships that we've already built, efficient use of the resources we're providing, a repeatable method to drive win rates, of course, and um, ultimately, as you look at all white space planning, outpacing the competition as well. So those are key parts of when we're looking at research, what we're looking to develop and give back to our sellers. So one of the ways in which we've done this together with the emissary program is um, actually through the creation of account discovery reports. Mm -hmm. Now, these account discovery reports have been at the basis of what we've been giving our sellers as intelligence and research. So if we move on to what are those what are those intelligence reports? Well, they're actually um, a number of very, very sort of specific questions that we've developed specific to Elastic's business and where the emissary team actually work with a network of different advisors and they go through an interview-based research for us. They give us insights um, through the series of interviews that they do on different parts of the business that are relevant to us. As you mentioned, to those numerous accounts that we've identified as target accounts. And what they give is insights into, for example, business priorities, what the competitive landscape looks like, buying behavior and processes. They even go as far as outlining what the company culture traits are. Now, to give a bit of feedback from one of our sellers, what we heard is one of the key um, reasons that he actually won the opportunity to identify a new expansion area, because he understood from this report very clearly of how things get done. And I think that's a key area of you know, intelligence you wouldn't find in an annual report or, or anywhere, you know, in terms of, like you said, third party information. This is really qualitative information that's relevant to them. What we see those reports do is they form the basis of a customer success plan and account plan for our sales team. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I think one of the things that's challenging as a salesperson is, you know, your sales leaders try to help you and your marketing teams try to help you, but they bombard you with lots more information that you have to, to dig through. And a lot of the things that you see in a 10K, I mean, they were created by a marketing team and they're, they're communications to analysts. So they don't cover the things that I as a seller really want to know. So the arm chart's great, but tell me the power structure. And I know that, you know, the CEO just gave a speech and said, these three things, are the most important things to the company. But what does that really mean? Like, are they really important? Are they being funded? You know, or, you know, how do they impact people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis? And I think those are the things that, that make you feel like you're less of an outsider and, and make more of a difference. Absolutely, yes. So let's talk a little bit, we talked a, about, you know, the accounts that have the most potential. Let's talk a little bit more about expansion in your existing account. Sure, I mean, just like understanding the white space, identifying where our expansion opportunities are in these given target accounts um, is of course the basis of any ABM strategy at a B2B company. And Elastic, it's just no different. You know, the reports I mentioned give one part of that intelligence and that research-based access. The one-to-one -one advisor engagements is where we also see a lot of positive feedback coming in from our sellers. It's the opportunity for the sellers to engage with people that have previously worked with these companies. 
And what the interesting part here is, is it's not necessarily just one person. It could be multiple different advisors in that same account at different parts of the business. What the sellers get to do is they identify the accounts, but then they get to vet a lot of the advisors that actually come to the, uh, within the emissary network. And in some cases, we can even do some customer recruitment with the emissary team to actually recruit the people that we want to engage with and we want to hear it from. Just for example, if we want to understand how you know, the procurement team are doing procurement, we can actually have the emissary team actively find advisors in an account that may have previously worked in a procurement role, just to basically understand how things are done and how procurement works at these companies, for example. As with all ABM programs, you know, close collaboration with sales and marketing is gonna be key. And we can't just sort of introduce a program and not give them any resources or tools. So what we've done as part of the emissary program is we've given the sellers a playbook. This playbook gives them many, many ways of understanding what the best practices are, what questions to ask at different times of the engagement. We give them resources and provide them with email templates. Because as you clearly mentioned, Celeste, this is not what they want to be spending their time on. They want to spend their time selling. So we want to make sure that we make it as turnkey for them as possible. One other aspect that we've really seen that's helped expansion is actually making this program, an ABM program, specific to what the sales motions are. So often what we've done is in a couple of areas, we've actually had the sales invite emissaries to their QBR sessions. It's a way for the emissaries to get involved, to actually have a number of different broader discussions. They can even do role play scenarios. And in some cases, they can actually help develop specific sales plays in those accounts as well. You know, that's really interesting. I, I heard the other day someone refer to this as the year of the existing customer in the mm-hmm. sense that a lot of organizations are more risk averse. They're more likely to look to their incumbents. And if you're working in, in some of these really large accounts that you guys work in, you might be in one small piece of that account, but there's you know 15 other business units that basically run like, like separate companies. But it can be daunting to figure out, well, how do I I jump from one to the next? And this idea of having internal strategies and internal coaching and internal QBR sessions means I have an opportunity to ask a question. Maybe I'd love to ask the customer, but I don't want to waste the limited sales time I have by asking that of the customer. And I want to stress test some things and our role plays some conversations in this internal environment. And it gives people, you know, a head start on versus calling the customer and saying, hey, can how are you organized? And who has the power? And where should I go next? Right. And a lot of times your customers aren't going to want to, they don't know, right? It's not that no. they're not willing to share. They just don't know. Like I've never worked with that division before, right? I've never heard of them either. Because they're going to find those organizations are just as hard to navigate for them as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about the the next two. So the first two that we talked about are are really about organizations with potential expansion existing customers thinking about pursuit of organizations. Let's let's mm-hmm. break that down to individuals. And the next one's uh, interesting. I heard your CFO on an analyst call recently try to explain bottom up. So tell me what bottom up means. So absolutely, bottom in the context of Elastic means that we engage through product programs and people with our users. Our users are commonly developers, and we look to make them successful to help them build our trust, and then they perpetuate the use of Elastic. And that then spreads virally, and many different developers start to then adopt that technology. So whereby we say our key goal is always to maintain those developer relations with our users, we do look to find ways to elevate positioning and delivering that greater value for the customer with understanding what the business impact is of our technology. The users in this case, as with all open source companies, um, are the ones that, as I said, develop and uh, look at our technology. 
But through the Emissary Network, what we do is we actually work with the advisors on gaining intelligence in those accounts and helping identify those decision makers that can help us map and connect them to the advisors in the, in the account. Now, part of this ABM strategy is also helping our users, our developers, to find and develop the messaging that can help us get into internal, uh, internal advisors as well. So what we do is we actually work with the advisors to understand how do we help our developers message up? What resonates? How do we make sure that we can help them navigate and provide the business value that C-Sphere are actually really wanting to know about? Now, in many cases, we see the use of our technology and how it drives revenue and improved margins and increasing bottom line. How do we communicate that within these accounts? And how do we use our developers to help us you know, on that path as well? As with all ABMs, we're not talking about instant wins. So you know, we're gathering this intelligence over a period of time. We're working with our developers. Our sellers are actually still you know, spreading themselves across the breadth of the account. And we have to build this as part of our strategy as well. So we see this, you know, the intelligence from the reports, the one-to-one -one engagements to actually span over a period of time and through the lifespan of what we're doing in terms of the account-based marketing as well. And that's interesting because I, I think one of the challenges that's unique to, to open source companies and others who sort of come in with a, a beachhead and grow from there is it could be overwhelming the number of contacts, right? So the number of developers Absolutely. who might be using the stack is, is huge. And now I'm a salesperson. I've got less than a third of my time I can spend selling. I could have all of that time sucked up by a whole bunch of people who have no okay. budget, right? So I've got to decide, well, it might be okay that they have no budget as long as they have influence. And so how do I manage my time so that I'm building a network of people with influence and I'm helping them tell me what the business case is, but not get stuck with lots of conversations that lead nowhere, right? So I become- Absolutely. Well, the last one then is sort of the, you know, the pinnacle of it, which is where we jump to executive access. But before we get into the strategy, I want to talk a little bit about just putting that in context. Um, Emissary did a study recently where we go out to IT buyers and we find out just from a snapshot perspective, where are they at this particular moment in time? And, and it was overall was positive, right? So what they said is they were, I mean, no one's completely recovered from what the year has been, but they're certainly back in more of a normal mode or a next normal, as some of them are calling it. And they are proceeding ahead. And thankfully, very few said they had budget. So technology, B2B in space, still growing strong. Interestingly, about a third of them did say they lost some people. So there were restructures that happened, particularly in the back end of organizations. And so what we asked is then we said, well, how do you manage that, right? So how do you, how do you manage your project list? And as you might expect, only 15% said they were given the freedom to actually cut their projects. Everybody else said, we hope to keep them the same, but chances are we're actually growing our projects, right? Think about, I have to digitize the customer experience. I have remote employees. I have new security issues. I, you know, I'm having people access us in digital ways that we never have had before. I mean, my use of e-commerce is going through the roof, all those sorts of things. So it puts people back in that familiar position of do a whole lot more with less. So from a salesperson's perspective, though, that's positive because I've got a bunch of buyers who have their budget relatively intact. They have a lot of work to get done. They probably don't have enough people to do it. So as a salesperson, I say, great, I can help with it. 
When we asked them the third set of questions, though, we said, hey, you know, who, who are you going to to help with this? Are you spending the same last or more time with your solution providers? And they said, are you know how busy I am? Crazy out there. So almost two thirds of them said I'm spending less time with my salespeople. I'm really just trying to plug all these holes and, and all of these dams. So I'm, I'm curious how in this environment you've executed this last strategy on executive access, because I don't think it's ever been easy, but I feel like it's even harder now. Yeah, absolutely. So in, indeed, what we're seeing right now is that, you know, the first thing that sellers often say is, can we get the introduction? Can we have an introduction directly to the executives? Which is great. And the MSRE program has actually, in many instances, given us the opportunity to have introductions through their network. However, what happens once you've made that introduction? How do we actually engage with them? How do we make our sellers actually successful? So what we've been doing as part of this program is we've been, of course, leveraging the connections that we have, but we've also been using program as an opportunity for sellers to actually hone their executive selling skills, whether it's to test business level messaging, whether it's learning the best strategies to engage in that account, or whether it's just simply just, you know, testing out the platform of understanding how you formulate a deal for that particular account. So they've helped us in many, many different ways, not just by the access, but actually also understanding how the communication channels should work as well. And it's not just, as I said, the, the introductions are the valuable part, of course, but what we've seen is it's the base of how we're engaging with them and when we're engaging with them that really, really does make the difference to our business success here. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think... I think it's hard when you think about the ask of your sellers of, I want you to cultivate this developer network where you're really mm -hmm. practitioner business cases. And then I also want you to be, to excel and master this whole idea of executive communications. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we focus on the access, but you get 15 minutes, right? And so if you haven't really thought through, well, what would you do with that access? Then it's, it's very fleeting, right? You get, you can absolutely it's gone before you 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 notice it. I also find in today's virtual world it's a little bit worse. So I might be able to mm -hmm. get five minutes, but without having someone trapped in a room, the you know, the multitasking is just harder to engage. Yes. What when I'm trying to put a little context, when we've been talking about emissaries and in, particularly in context, this idea of executives, this just gives you a snapshot of just a, a couple of the of the, the types of people that we're talking about. And what's interesting is because they're executives, when a salesperson is coming to them saying, hey, help me think through who are the right decision makers in the account? What is my story? And how am I going to look different than everybody else? And you know, how do I, how do I manage, you know, do I go to IT first, the business first? When I'm as a seller having that conversation with people like this, I'm actually practicing and rehearsing how to have a strategic conversation with a senior executive, which then puts me in that much better of a position when I do get in to talk to an executive because I've been talking about business strategies and thinking through, you know, what level of details are appropriate, you know, how do I ask questions, how, you know, how do I land my conversation, things like that. And I think that's one of the things that's unique about Sedgwell's program is it more than just, you know, providing the information, which is great head start for the sellers, but it's yeah. that marriage with how would you actually use the information that makes it so powerful. So what's the punchline? Tell us how it's been working. What results have you seen? 
So uh, actually, it's been really great to get the feedback from the sellers um, on this program. As with any successful ABM program, we said uh, it's um, going back and mapping to pipeline generation for the sales organization. And what we're seeing is we're not looking at just, you know, what new pipeline is being created, but we're looking at different aspects of how this program is actually attribu attributing back to our success. Um, you know, has it helped us, uh, you know, shorten sales cycles? Has it increased, you know, deal, deal sizes, for example? Has it helped us, you know, get better win rates? So we're actually measuring success across a number of these different ways. Um, you know, of course, uh, if you look at it, you know, there's many different things that we look at. If you look at results, we look at it from five different areas here. You can see these are quotes from our sellers that have actually shared this feedback with us. There's two areas that really resonate, and um, that's prospecting, you know, just helping identify the areas of opportunity. It's it's battlefield out there, you know, for sellers to actually understand where are all those pockets of opportunity for us and our technology. Um, the program has really helped us, you know, map the organization, map those accounts and understand where the opportunities are. And then hand in hand with that goes the expansion. Where are those developers that are using us? How do we map and connect to those different users? And how do we have those users talk to one another as well? Because it's those best practices from one user to another user that will also help drive further adoption of our technology and increase the number of different use cases for our technology as well. And for me, you know, all in all, um, you know, B2B, ABM methodologies, um, they have to support the pipeline goals, but they also have to also show, you know, the breadth of the use of the technology and the value to the customer. And, you know, we're always thinking about that. It's not just about our business success, but it's also about the success of our customers as well. And, you know, this program has really proved to, to support us in both of those. Yeah, when I, I talk to people and the struggle, I think everybody who's trying to do account-based engagement has is how do I how do I measure this? You know, I know it when I see it. And so what I love about this particular slide is we have the really strong, you know, the return against the investment in terms of the growth of the pipeline but also a series of salespeople who are willing to raise their hand and go, let me tell you exactly where that pipeline came from and give mm -hmm. specific examples of why I think it's a good thing. And as a salesperson, they're not prone to be raising their hand saying, hey, I want you to put more to-dos on my list, right? Give me more things no. to read or more meetings to have or questions to ask. And so if they're saying, hey, this makes a difference, then that's the power of being able to connect those two things. Absolutely, yes. And I think you were sharing, we were talking uh, before this meeting, salespeople, when they're spontaneously positive, that's a good yes. thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost dangerous. You're like, okay, you're going to provide us with constructive feedback. This is a good thing. So, you know, when I, you know, when I was sort of getting information and validating, you know, do we continue with the program? Do we expand the program? Um, you know, there were great things that they were bringing back. And what's really interesting is you know, then sort of touching on to what are the lessons learned? How do we build this program out further? And, you know, one of the things that we're thinking about in terms of the program is partnering even closer with our sales teams and our sales enablement teams. Because right. one aspect of this program is not just tailoring what our ABM needs are and identifying those accounts is how do we make sure that the sales are enabled and it ties directly to the goals and objectives of those specific accounts. Um, that, that part's key. So we've now started to work even closer with sales enablement, where we've actually got, you know, podcasts, for example, from one seller to another seller, actually sharing their best practices, sharing their experiences. We're expanding those email templates that we're giving them to, you know, even further to actually include them to not just the emissaries themselves, but also to people that they're connecting to and people that are getting introductions to. So, you know, tying it together between sales, sales enablement and marketing, it's going to be for us, um, you know, a key lesson learned. 
The other aspect that we're seeing is um, there is an abundance of qualitative research that this program has given to us. And often it sits in the one person's hand or the seller's hand. And what we're seeing is the benefit of that intelligence and that research um, can be expanded out to numerous and multiple different teams. For example, you know, we're now looking to share this information out to product marketing teams. And when they're thinking about how do we you know, develop our messaging, how are we looking to you know, figure out what our different sort of personas are across the C-suite, how do we define what our messaging hierarchy should be? These MSRE programs have really got so much intelligence that the product marketing is valuable. But just as well, it's also important for our customer success team that are driving our renewals, that are driving our expansion opportunities. This shouldn't be in just the seller's hand, but in you know, all the different teams that are a go-to-market. And it should be part of the go-to-market strategy as well. And um, you know, last but not least, um, making sure that e, all the key stakeholders are committed and dedicated to the program. You know, at the onset, that we've defined what the objectives are and make sure that we're going back, reviewing, evaluating, and continuously looking for areas of improvement and expanding upon that as well. So those are some of the lessons learned for us uh, as we continue with the use of this program. Excellent. And that, that last one is interesting. Whenever there's something new, be it enablement or ABM or mm-hmm. something new to the organization, there's always this maturity that it goes through. In the beginning, there's a little bit of, of how much can I do skunk works, right? How do I get this off the ground? I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Then you find yourself on an island. And so it's figuring out at the front end for whatever this, this program, this initiative, this, this discipline is, how do I get the right people engaged and put really more what you talked about was almost like a governance process in place yes. so that it becomes just part of how we do things. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, we're getting to the end of our time. So I would invite you to connect with both myself and Sejal. Obviously, we like talking about account base. We'd love to continue the conversation. So we're both on LinkedIn. Definitely check us out. And do feel free to tap into some of those resources, some of the research that I mentioned. If you go to emissary.io forward slash why, we have some research out there where we do collect that snapshot information from buyers to understand why they buy technologies and why they don't and more advice for people like Schedule who are ready to get these programs. So thank you everybody for your time and attention today. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.